Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. ACF Church, yes! And good morning to our online family. We are so excited that you guys are joining us today. My name is Britt, and I'm the ACF Youth Culture Pastor. So that means I get the privilege of overseeing our junior high and high school students. And I just want to take a moment to speak to the students in the room. I know the struggle is real. But I want you guys to know that you are not alone, that there is a family called ACF Youth Culture that just wants to walk beside you during those challenging years and seasons. And so if you're a middle schooler, we'd love for you to join us on Wednesdays from 7 to 8.30 and a high schooler tonight from 7 to 9. It is lit, as the young people say. Um, Amen. Well, last week we started our sermon series one, and Pastor Brian talked about one mission. And some of Jesus' final words to his disciples and to the church to come was that we would be one as he and the Father are one. That when we come together as the supernatural unity, people actually experience God And that's going to be the foundation for this entire message. And so I definitely want to encourage you guys to check that out. It is so, so great. Um, But today we are going to be talking about the one problem. But before we go to God's word, I just always love to go to God. So would you guys just bow your heads in prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, this is your church And we are your people. And we just ask, God, that today we would hear from you. God, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive your truth. God, I just pray today I wouldn't be a distraction, Lord, but every single word would be empowered by your Holy Spirit and that we would leave this place changed in Christ. God, we love you so much, and I just pray you speak and start with me. We ask this in the power of your Holy Spirit in your mighty name. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about the one problem. And it's not the government. It's not your vaccinated or unvaccinated neighbor. It's not your boss. 
It's not your kids. It's not your coworkers. There is actually one problem, and it's sin. And for us to understand the one problem, we have to go to where it began. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Genesis 3. You can also download the ACF Church app, and the text will be there as well. Well, just to give you guys a little bit of context, God has created Adam and Eve in his image. It reiterates that twice in the text. In the image of God, he created them. And he placed them in this garden to work. And the text says that there are trees all around that are good and pleasing to the sight. And he gives them this instruction that you can eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you eat from it, you will surely die. And this section is closed out with this beautiful moment where it says they were naked and they felt no shame. And I want you guys to just picture that for a moment. They are fully exposed in front of God and each other, and they're at complete peace and unity. I can't even fathom what that looks like. If I see naked people or even me, I'm like, ah, put some clothes on. But they are completely bare, and there's this trust and perfect peace. And then Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, she's adding to God's word there, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And when we look at the text, we see that sin starts with not trusting God. The serpent said, did God actually say... And what he's implying in this moment is, is God actually good? Can you actually trust the words that he is speaking? Is he withholding from you? And Eve engages in this conversation. And for the first time, she thinks maybe God is not someone worth following. Maybe he's not actually good. And they both think, man, maybe we know better. And then they eat of the fruit, and sin enters the world. And what happens in this moment is what happens to us all of the time. We think, I know better. Man, I know God says this, but maybe he's just withholding from me. Can I really trust his instruction? 
And this starts at just such an early age. I remember when I was subbing for a kindergarten class. And if you hear nothing else in this message, pray for our teachers. Because <laughs> the struggle is real. So I'm instructed to care for 25 five-year-olds. And the project for that day was to put together this little glue project. And so I start helping students and putting shapes on pieces of paper. And there's this little boy, Xavier, and he's putting glue on his little friend, Johnny. And I look at Xavier and I say, we don't put glue on our friends. And he looks back at me and he's like, okay. And then I go throughout the classroom and I look back and Xavier is putting glue on little Johnny. And I'm like, Xavier, we don't put glue on our friends. Remember, I already told you that. And he's like, okay. And so I go about and I keep working and helping students. And then I look back and he's doing it a third time. And I said, Xavier, if you put glue on little Johnny again, I'm going to turn your apple yellow. And he looks at me dead serious and says, do it. <laughs> I called the office. I was like, help. <laughs> I need backup. I need an adult. But the reality is, is that at such a young age, we think we know better. We think, I know you said this, but maybe you're withholding fun from me. Maybe you're not as good as I thought you were. And I think so often we think the world is so broken out there. But when was the last time you acknowledged, man, I am broken in here? Romans 3.23 says, all have fallen short to the glory of God. And I want you guys to think about this. We don't have to work at being sinful. I've never heard someone say like, man, I just really want to step up my selfishness. It's just, it's not really where I want it to be. Or like this year, I want to grow my bitterness. Like last year was decent, but I just want to be more intentional about that. Or how about greed? Like, man, my greed was, was really low last year, and I just want to take that to the next level. No, you never hear people saying these things. In fact, our sin comes so natural. No one had to teach me to be selfish. No one said, Brittany, if you want to be selfish, you just think about yourself all the time and have zero disregard for others. That's something that just came natural. No one had to teach me to bend the truth to my favor. Have you ever lied to your boss, to your spouse, to your kids because you wanted a benefit no one instructed us to do that. It's something that just came naturally. And there's something unifying and recognizing that we are all sinners. We are all broken. And this is so important because when we recognize that we are all sinners, we stop seeing people as the problem and we start seeing sin as the problem. We stop making people the enemy and we start seeing sin as the enemy. Bob Goff summed it up so well with this statement. He said, God makes people and people make issues, but people aren't issues. Repeat after me. People aren't issues. They're not projects either. People are people. 
And when we don't recognize that we are all broken, that we are all sinners, we start to pit people in classification systems saying, oh, they're good and they're bad. And we do this in the church. We say they're good Christians because they don't struggle with porn or alcohol or addiction. And we start to divide. And the reality is, is that sin creates separation. And we see this lived out in the text in verse 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The most destructive and heartbreaking thing is that when sin enters, they ran from God. God didn't run from them. They ran from, from the Lord and then God asked them three questions. And I think these are so relevant for us today because these questions are meant to draw them back to him, to draw them back to truth. And the first thing he says is, where are you? For some of you today, God is asking you, where are you? And I want you to remember that he's God. He knows their exact location. He's asking something deeper here. He's saying, relationally, where are you? Because you're no longer walking with me. Adam responds in verse 10, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Again, sin separated them from God, but not by God's choosing. They ran away from God and God ran towards them. Some of you need to hear that today. God ran towards them and their sin. And I don't know about you, but when I think of sin, oftentimes I think of a, a list of don'ts. Don't murder, don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie. But sin is not about a behavior. It's a heart condition. In the Greek, sin means to miss the mark. And last week, Pastor Brian talked about this mission of loving God and loving people because church, we have a mark. We have a mission that God wants to accomplish. And in Jeremiah 17, nine, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And I don't know about you guys, but so many times I'm on the throne of my heart and not God. And God's like, Britt, where are you? So many times I make life all about me and I can't see those hurting around me and God's like, where are you? And this can happen in just the smallest of things. My husband, he recently started welding school and so he's working full time and then he has four hours of class so it's like these 15 hour days. And I'm trying to be a good wife and so I asked him, I said, what can I do for you just to serve you and be there for you? He looks at me and he says, can you cook? <laughs> Y'all, I, if you know me, I hate cooking. I loathe cooking. I think that's a real thing for people. Um, our youth culture leaders, we have dinner once a month and we're having Taco Bell. We're having Panda Express, pizza, whatever I have to do not to cook. Now we do eat. Um, we have eggs. And that is a breakfast, lunch, or dinner option for those that didn't know. 
But when my husband asked me to cook, and I was like, no. <laughs> I'm such a bad wife. <laughs> but when he asked me to cook, guys, I wasn't saying no to a task. I was saying no to serving anyone other than myself. And this can happen so naturally. It can just creep in so easily. And the truth is, when you are on the throne of your heart, Jesus will never be Lord of your life. Where are you? And here's some questions you can just ask yourself to see where you're at. When was the last time you said no to yourself and yes to God? When was the last time you denied yourself so you could take up your cross and follow Jesus? And here's just some common ways I see this lived out in my life and just everyday situations. Have you ever said, I don't feel like blank? I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like reading my Bible. That's so real for me some days. I don't feel like being in community. But we have to know that our faith is so much more than our feelings. And oftentimes, we let our feelings inform our faith more than we let God. Where are you? How about consumerism? Have you guys ever been to the Target dollar section? That's like a test of faith. (laughs) When I walk in, I'm like, oh, But when was the last time you said no to building up your own empire so you could say yes to building up God's? When was the last time you said no to yourself so you could be generous to others? How about screens? I am addicted to TikTok. Uh, Don't download it. Just heed my instruction there. Uh, But... Netflix, Instagram, just a screen. When's the last time you said no so you could be present with a person? When's the last time you said no, like I'm not going to watch this show because I know someone's hurting and I just want to go listen. I want to be there. Where are you? The second question that God asked them is who told you you were naked? And I think what God's saying in this moment is, who is defining you because it's no longer me? And so many times we let sin define us or those around us. Some of you guys have sin that you have never told anyone about. Maybe it's an affair, an abortion. Maybe you've hurt someone in a really just profound way. And that sin has been defining you your entire life. And God's saying, bring that to me so I can start to heal and redeem and restore it. I don't want that to define you anymore. I want to. He's so gracious to do that. How about letting sin define other people? And I read this in a book this past week, and it was just so challenging, and I'd love for you guys to just do this exercise with me. I would like for you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture your enemy. I want you to picture someone who has hurt you. And I want you guys to know that that hurt and that pain 
breaks God's heart, that he hates it when people chooses to do anything other than love him and love people. But I want you to picture that person in the forefront of your mind. And I want you to say, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer. We have got to stop letting sin define image bearers of God and start letting the Holy Spirit guide our actions and our thoughts and our words towards people who God literally died for. These are image bearers. When we let anything other than God define us, it's always going to be broken. When we let anything other than God define people, it's always going to be broken. What would happen if we stopped judging other people's sin and started praying for it? Started saying, God, I can't change this broken sin this terrible situation, but I know you can, so I'm going to call out to you. Could you imagine the impact that could happen? The third question that God asks is, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And what God is doing in this moment is he's confronting their sin because God is full of grace meeting people where they're at, but he is also full of truth, confronting injustice and sin and saying, that's not okay, that's not right. And in this moment, this is an opportunity for Adam to just confess, to just be real with God and just say, you know what, I didn't trust you, I didn't believe you, I didn't walk with you in that moment. But instead they do what so many of us do, They blame God and each other. Adam replies, the woman you gave me. Why is that always so funny? The first service laughed too, and I was like, is that real? Maybe. But then Eve responds, no, it was this serpent. And this just creates this further divide between them and God and now them and each other. But when sin is confronted, it's an opportunity for truth and grace to be ushered in. And I was talking to a coworker about what this must have looked like, and she was saying, you know when you bake a cookie and, and there's a young child standing there and you're just like, don't eat that cookie, and you turn around and you look back and there's a mouthful of cookie and crumbs, and you ask them, did you eat that cookie? And they're like, little Johnny, Johnny ate the cookie. But any good parent knows this is an opportunity for your child to just be real with you. To know they're going to be met with grace, but they're also going to be met with truth. And we all are responsible for our choices. Good and bad consequences happen. And We experience that hardship today from Adam and Eve's decision. But do you know what God wants us to do in this moment? He wants us to acknowledge it. He wants us to confess it. We cannot move towards reconciliation without confession. And that's so important, church, that we grasp that reality. 
And I want you to think about for a moment, when was the last time you acknowledged that you messed up? When was the last time you asked for forgiveness? Maybe you let a friend down and you said you would be there and you didn't. Did you acknowledge like, man, I'm so sorry I was selfish in that moment and chose me instead of you? Maybe you came home from a long day at work and you took it out on your family and you were frustrated and and angry and you just went to bed, but what would happen if you just paused and said, hey, family, I'm just so sorry that I took out my frustration on you. Will you guys forgive me? Could you imagine what that would do to families? How it would grow this beautiful love and trust and authenticity? And this lack of confession plays to further divide in the church. Have you ever heard the church is full of hypocrites? And I wonder if they say that because we never acknowledge our faults. Guys, and I know this is not easy, this is hard, but we have to stop trying to make our faith easy. Bob Goff said this, I've spent my whole life trying to make my faith easy. Man, that's me. I've spent my whole life trying to make it easy. And the truth is denying myself and loving God and loving people is hard. And he says in the text, the truth is, it's not. Some of you need to hear that today, that faith isn't always easy. From what I've been reading, if we do it right, it'll actually kill all the earlier versions of us. What I'm trying to do now is make my faith simple. I remember when I first started going to a Southern Baptist church and I've been walking with Jesus for a few years and got in a community group and I, I remember thinking, I'm the only broken Christian. I'm the only one that still gets it wrong and doesn't have this whole walking with Jesus thing figured out. And I left that church and joined another Southern Baptist church. And I got around this community where we just started to be real with God and be real with each other and just acknowledge our sin. Talk about my selfishness and my pride and lying, brokenness in my life. And do you know what that created? A deeper, more authentic community. And I got to receive encouragement. I got to receive prayer. I got to receive accountability. What would happen if we started to confess our sin and pray for each other and then said, man, when you're struggling with that, text me so I can walk with you through this? Man, I think it would be a church that people want to be a part of. We can't move towards reconciliation, again, if we don't start with confession. And I'm going to land the plane here. We have one problem, but we also have one answer, and it's Jesus. Oh, that's good news. Romans 5.18 says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. 
You see, as sin entered the world, so did God's plan to reconcile humanity to himself. As brokenness happened, so did God's plan for redemption for you and for me. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head. This is the first moment of the foreshadowing of the gospel. This is saying that Jesus will crush the head of the serpent. You see, just as we got it wrong, God immediately said, man, I'm gonna get this right. And as Christians, I've never been able to fix myself. In my own strength, I've never been able to stop the fleshly desires that we all have. But when I surrendered my life to Christ, and this isn't something that just happens once, this is something that happens moment by moment. I've watched God restore my marriage. I've watched God heal addictions. I've watched God mend broken relationships. And I've watched God give me freedom and hope. And the beautiful thing about Christianity is that every single time I get it wrong, which is a lot, God says that was paid for. I forgive that. I don't see that, Brittany, I see the cross. I remember uh, a couple years ago, we were heading to a high school winter camp and winter camp is just my favorite. It's, it's just the best. It's a hundred students and you're, you're going off and every Saturday, just the, the gospel is preached. We share the truth and the reality that Jesus came to this earth to die for your sin and for my sin. And that the punishment that I deserve for every single thing that I've done was poured out on Christ. And rather than my sin defining me, Jesus does. And so this is preached to the students and at the end, they just start coming forward with different confession and and just different things that they're struggling with. And a student's coming forward with this porn addiction and drug and alcohol and deep wounds from their mom and dad and siblings. And there's just this uh, overwhelming. And as a leader, you're in the back and you're just, as each student comes forward, you're just kind of praying and just saying, God, give me words, speak in this moment. And so the student, comes up and and they're crying like a lot of them are in that room and kind of bracing myself for whatever's about to come. And she says, it's just so beautiful. It's just so beautiful that God would die for me, that all of my sin is paid for. I just can't even understand the lavishness. And she's crying and I'm crying and I told her, I was like, this is the joy of your salvation. And that truth was not just for her, that is for you and me in this room today. You see, God's righteousness doesn't condemn you, it actually delivers you. And some of you need to hear that today. That the story of Christianity 
is not about us earning our way to God. It's not about us becoming good enough to get to the Savior. It's about the Savior coming down in his goodness and saying, let me rescue you. Let me redeem you. Let me restore you. And once you surrender to him, you'll never be the same. I shared this earlier. I get it wrong a lot. But there are a lot of moments where God gets it right where he pushes me out of my comfort zone, where he has me confess and has me acknowledge things, where he has me see hurting people around me. And every single day, my prayer is just, God, take more ground in my heart because apart from you, I know I can't do anything. And every single week, we wanna make this real. And so I'd love for you to just take out your action card that was placed on your seat. And we have some next steps that we'd love for you to just consider taking. Maybe the first one is giving your life to Jesus. If you've never given your life to Christ, there is no better decision you can make. God sees you and he sees your sin. And he says, I want a relationship with you. Someone needs to hear that today, that God wants a relationship with you, not the future version of you, not you when you get yourself cleaned up, but you right now. The second thing is take a step back from other people's sin and acknowledge my own. Again, guys, we know it's so broken out there. If you turn on the news for five minutes, It just hits you in the face. But when was the last time you said, God, start with me? I know it's broken out there, but start in here because there's so much more ground for you to take in my heart. Start with me. The third thing, this week, say no to myself and say yes to God. Maybe tomorrow, instead of getting yourself Starbucks, you're gonna save that money and treat a coworker to lunch. And just say, man, I see you. I know you've been struggling. Let me just be there for you in this moment. Gosh, what would it look like if we had a city full of people who said no to themselves and yes to God? Eagle River would not be the same. And the last thing is let Jesus be the answer to the one problem. I've never been able to stop someone from sinning. I've never been able to change anyone. You can ask my husband. I've tried. (laughs) But guys, this is so important that we grasp this truth. If I can't stop someone from sinning, why do I think it's my job to? There is a Savior who changes people who gives people new hearts and and a vision and a mission that is beautiful and profound. Why don't we go to him for the sin in the world? Why don't we go to him for the sin all around us and say, God, I can't change someone, but you can, and I'm gonna call on you like I believe that with everything inside of me. Could you imagine what that would be like? Sin is such a problem, but there is a savior who has conquered that. Walk out of this building believing that today.
not only for yourself, but for those around you. Would you guys bow your head as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just come before you a sinner. Someone, God, who gets it wrong all of the time. God, as we just gather in this space together as a bunch of broken people, I thank you, Lord, that you define us, that you see us, that you love us, that you died for us. God, that you want a relationship with us. And I just pray for the person who needs to receive and hear that today. God, I pray that we would be a people that confesses. God, that we would be a people that says no to ourselves and yes to you. And that we would call on you, the name above every name, God, who came to save sinners like us. And we would believe it. Jesus, thank you for the cross. And we ask this all in the power of your Holy Spirit in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.